1: Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem-solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.
2: Don't give up on your dream. If you have a dream, if you've got an ambition, go for it and go for it um, 100%. I, I, I got that from a teacher at school. I was failing at racing. I was failing at A-levels. I was failing at my football because I played a decent level of football. And he said to me, what do you want to be when you're older? What's What's the goal? told him I wanted to be a racing driver. He said, well, you can always redo your education. You can always come back to that. But don't fail at your dream. Like, give it everything you've got. You don't want to be waking up later on in life thinking, what if? If only I'd given it uh, another 5%, another 10%. Could I have been that guy on TV? Could I have been a a world champion? At least give it a shot so that then, if you don't make it, you can say, I've given it my all.
0: (laughs)
1: Hello and welcome to the Cut to the Race podcast. We've got a very, very full virtual studio today. There's a lot of us here. We've got Callum. How are you, sir? Hello, all. I'm very
3: well, thank you. How are you? I'm good. You don't normally ask. Cheers, mate. Uh, Emma, how are you? I thought, I'd throw it in this week.
4: Yeah, I'm fine, Ollie. It's lovely and sunny up here in Glasgow, so happy, happy. Well,
0: that makes a change, doesn't it? Um, Matt, you're back. How are you? I am back, and it's afternoon, so my beverages are on tap, and I'm ready to get into this.
1: And we, we have one more nerd. Dan, how are you?
0: I'm great, thanks,
1: from a not-so-sunny Hertfordshire. But no, I'm very good, thank you. And we've got, well, actually, I think it's another, there's potentially two more on this. We have got Sam Bird, and I think there was something fluffy near you then.
2: There, There is, yes, indeed. So I, I heard that everybody might want to meet a certain somebody, so he's just had a little walk. And this is Buddy. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> look at that little floof. There he is, look. Oh, he's a good boy.
4: Super cute.
2: <laughs> <laughs> he's just so, crumbled. He's come to join me uh, in the lounge where I'm going to do this interview, guys. So he's, he's nice and quiet.
1: Awesome. So, Sam, for people who may not know who you are, would you like to let us know?
2: Yeah, so firstly, hi, everybody. Uh, My name is Sam Bird. I'm a racing driver and I'm currently competing in a series called Formula E. Formula E is a world championship that is an all-electric championship. We tend to race on street circuits all around the world. Um... I think it's very competitive. I think it's very entertaining. Um, I've raced in many different things before. Uh, I raced in Formula 3, GP2. I was the reserve driver for Mercedes F1 for quite a few years. Um, I raced and race still with Ferrari uh, in WEC and at Le Mans and in other things as well. So, you know, I've been pretty busy. Um, So that's a little bit about me.
1: And I think it would be wrong if we just... Guys, everyone needs to unmute and just give him a little clap for his last performance. Uh, <laughs> Sublime. Thank you. Thank and you. Dan, Dan, more than anyone, you enjoyed that, didn't you? A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that, Dan? Why is that? It's.
5: Just, I just love the sport and just following people. And I'm one of those people, as you can see, by my Bottas t shirt, which I got abused about before we started recording. If I find yeah, someone I like, I will then follow them and really like them. So yeah, you you're the Formula E person. So where's where's your bird t-shirt then? Because that really yeah, would be a one that, that one. and then
0: rock the boat. Yeah house, I didn't man. think
5: I didn't think that one through. <laughs>
2: That's all right. I'll forgive you.
0: <laughs> I'm um, a super fan, well, but I won't buy you. your merch. <laughs>
2: <laughs> thank you for your support anyway, man. I, I do really appreciate it
1: and and it's i think you you are the first current driver that we've had on this show um i think that's Oh, part, okay I think that's, that's cool right. so that's a, that's no, it, it's really stuff. cool and, and you know you what you're doing at the moment you're in a one of well a, a new motorsport which is obviously formula e which is taking the fans into the next generation i mean that that's a big position isn't it to to to, to be championing that
2: yeah it was do you know what the whole the whole thing with formula e for me started in 2013 so i was doing gp2 at the time i was the reserve driver for mercedes and it was kind of clear even though i'd I'd won five races that year in gp2 and i was i was the runner-up in the championship with a new team i kind of knew at that point Look, I'm i don't have the clout behind me to get into formula one it's it's not going to be happening for me, which is a shame. it's it's quite a difficult and dark place to go when you when you realize you're not going to achieve your dream and you then you're gonna to have to look at something else. Anyway, there were these whispers about this new championship from Marie, so i I dug a little deeper and had some meetings and fortunately got the drive with Virgin Racing. Um, which has been the best decision of my career, I've got to say. I had six incredible years with them. I watched the championship grow from strength to strength. It's a championship now that boasts more manufacturers than any other form of motorsport, pretty much. Um, We've seen a massive increase in fans, in people watching on TV, what people and how people perceive the sport. I think at the beginning, people thought it was a little bit of a joke um maybe they thought that we were taking a paycheck and running and which wasn't the case we genuinely believed in what we were what we were doing and people now really take it quite seriously it's i think it's the most competitive thing i've ever done you look at the grid if you if you guys know about the drivers that are on the grid against me It's ridiculous. It's so, so tough. Not only from the manufacturer side, but the driver's side is unbelievable from top to bottom. One weekend you're winning, the next weekend you're P15 and you don't really know why and no other sport, uh, no other form of motorsport, I think you can really say that.
3: Yeah, so obviously you mentioned that you were in the GP2 series and you were Mercedes reserve driver. How tough was it for you to move away from what essentially would have been the stardom in Formula One as a Mercedes driver to onto this new thing that no one had ever heard of before. How tough was that decision Um, for you in your career? It was, actually, it was a really
2: easy decision because um, it was kind of made for me. Um, I, I was not going to be a Formula One racing driver. You know, I was sat there every single weekend as a reserve driver and you think you're close yet looking back at it, I couldn't have been further away. Um, I was used as a reserve. I got paid as a reserve, but I was at no point really close to jumping in that racing car. Um, I like, there was one time, there was one time in Monaco where I just qualified on pole in GP2 and then Nico had quite a big crash coming out of the tunnel and he got taken to the hospital for checks and I had to rush down from the GP2 paddock to the to F1 um, and check my pedals and my seat in case I needed to go out and qualify the car. So that would have been the only time I would have sat in a race. Um, would have been straight into qualifying at Monaco, which is quite uh, quite daunting. In actual fact, it was quite a good thing that uh, <laughs> that he was, was going to say. Suck that. <laughs> that's not yeah, the that's, first time. <laughs> uh, that's the baptism in the car, isn't it? To be honest. Um, yeah. So going back to the the transition thing, it's very difficult when your dream is pretty much squashed. You you know, from eight years old, I dreamt of being a Formula One driver. I've watched these guys and thought, I, I can get there. I can do this. You get so close and then you realize it's not going to happen and you need to find something new. Internally, that's quite tough to swallow, the fact that you failed to achieve your dream. But then you can have new dreams. You can have new aspirations. And, you know, I found my home in Formula E and I'm absolutely delighted with um, with the journey that I've been on. I haven't achieved everything I want to. Um, I've achieved something quite special, which is being the only driver to have won a race in every, sing- every single season of Formula E. So that's, that's quite a cool thing to have on my CV, but I think there needs to be a championship to go with it now.
4: We've seen a lot of drivers come through the ranks of GP2, F2, um and formula one and then go into formula e um as well as other top series such as like dtm that sort of thing do you yeah. feel that um you're always sort of making yourself available should an f1 team come knocking or do you feel that that door's now fully closed for you
2: i think that door is closed locked <laughs> gone yeah unfortunately i'd love to say otherwise um but look, I'm I'm 34 now. I think Formula One teams are looking for younger, younger guys. I don't think they'd really entertain the idea of taking me as a rookie at 34 years old. Um I don't think I'm I'm any slower. I think I'm probably getting quicker actually with age, like a like a red wine. I'm maturing well. Um but I think that that door is gone, I'm afraid. Um I'd love to say otherwise, but I, I can't see it
0: with where you're at in your you know ascension through formula E and all the things you're achieving both on and off track would you still trade it all for one go in an F1 car or are you have you made that flip that switch in your brain to where this is my new dream this is my new goal this is where I want to be
2: do you know what if if somebody if somebody was there saying right you can drive that mercedes at one race but you're going to sacrifice the Formula E championship, then I'd, no, I'd go for the Formula E championship every time, every time, because it's been something that I've been working towards for so long. The F1 race, yeah, it'd be great, but I've had that. I've had that experience. I've driven those cars in anger. I'm now fully committed to formulary. E, um, and I love it. I genuinely get a real buzz from it. I know that Some people say it's not as quick and they're not as refined. And yeah, they're not, but speed is relative. Uh, we race on street circuits and we're pushing against some of the best drivers in the world. No mistakes that some of the guys out there are top quality. And I love the fact that I can mix it with them. Um, I really enjoy that.
5: I mean, yeah, you, you alluded earlier how you raced in, you've raced in many series, GP2, GP3, World Endurance Championship, Le Mans, Formula E, obviously. Is there anywhere you haven't raced that you, you've really got your sights set that maybe after Formula E you could, you could go to? Oh, okay. Yeah. There,
2: there is, there is a, a specific, very famous race in America that I'd love to do. And, it goes with a championship as well. So I'd, I'd love to potentially go and try my hand at the Indy 500 or Indy car series. Um, I stay in touch with quite a few teams out there. I've, I've been out there for some meetings in the past and I love that series. I love watching it. I love that race. Um, so let's see, never say never. It's something that I'd love to do. um, you know, right now I'm fully committed to Formula E, but never say never. It is something that is definitely on the to-do list, Um, whether or not it's achievable or not, because I think some teams need financial backing. I can't do that. Um Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. But yeah, IndyCar and the Indy 500, definitely.
1: Uh, I th- you've obviously mentioned the, the India 500 being a very big event and something that you want to tick off <coughs> you've done you've done the 24 hours of Le Mans how was that I mean th- I, I'm i a massive motorsport fan I can't stay up for 24 hours let alone stay up <laughs> drive a car and do it well I mean what what is it like driving in that race I mean I you do you get
2: a couple of hours of very light sleep you're surviving on coffee adrenaline and some healthy food as well um, But it's amazing. Do you know what? I've been fortunate enough that I think I've started six out of the seven Le Mans I've done. I've started them. And you're on the grid. And last year was a bit different. Last year was the only time I didn't start. And obviously, coronavirus, no fans, very strange. But all the rest of them, you have a sea of people lining the left-hand side of the circuit, going up to the Dunlop Chicane. You can't see for people. The noise is deafening from the fans you have this apache helicopter doing this show over the top of us where it looks like it's going to dive down and hit all the cars and then you've got a wall of mechanics and and drivers up and down the grid and at this point you're you realize just how big this race is and the adrenaline is is just coursing through your body at such a rate um you then put your helmet on and you get in the car and it shouldn't really matter for a 24 hour race. The start to be honest is almost the least important part of the race. You want to position yourself well, not lose touch with the leaders, but it's not the end of the world. If you're four or five seconds back after the first stint, it doesn't, doesn't really matter. The race is won in the night and then the next morning, but the adrenaline at the beginning, that's, that's the one for me. The first stint is unbelievable.
1: I mean, it, it's it's an event that I haven't been to and I desperately want to. And I've heard so many stories about the, the parties that happen. And really what it is, to, to a non-motorsport fan, they'd say, you race for 24 hours. Are you mad? But to someone who loves motorsport, that is the highlight of the year, isn't it, really? And clearly that's something really special to you now. It's only one race, but it means a lot.
2: Yeah, it it is really special. As a as a, I'm a I'm a racing fan as well. I, I'm very fortunate that I'm a driver. But you know what? That Le Mans week is very very special. And as soon as it ends, if it's ended badly, you can't wait to go back there. You wish it was the next week that you could go back there again and redo it to correct it. And if it's gone well, you can't wait to go back there again because you've had a great result. It's one of those that you you're so excited for every year it's it's a big one in the calendar that you know you you put up on the wall right that that's the date for the 24 hours of Le Mans. I can't
0: wait for that week with all the you know different teams you've been associated with and the different races you know in the passion for Le Mans, do you feel more pressure to perform or more excitement a more visceral experience with Le Mans or when you were driving with Ferrari when you're driving Formula E now, which one is the one that you feel like the most tunnel vision that where you're, you're ripped in and you're laser focused on it? Um,
2: a good question. I think that I put the pressure on myself. I don't necessarily have the pressure coming from outside sources and other people, or I don't tend to worry about you know, necessarily what the team are thinking and pleasing other people, but I put a lot of pressure on myself in order to perform at my best, and that pressure is the same when I was at Virgin, when now I'm a Jaguar. Whether I'm at Ferrari, whether I'm testing at Mercedes, whether I'm when when I was in World Series or GP2, um, you know, it's it's the same thing. I want to do well for me. Um, because it's my career at the end of the day, I, you know, if I, if I'm doing a bad job, my family gets affected and I could lose my drive. And then the, the lifestyle that I have right now would go away. And there's this downward spiral in my head of thinking like that. So I need to perform for me in order for me to continue what I'm doing right now,
0: which that. You know to me, I've heard I've read a bunch of different biographies and a lot of research. You know, it doesn't matter what hat the owner manager is wearing, at the end of the day, you're your harshest critic, your best coach, and the person you have to appease in a way.
2: There's no worse feeling than leaving a
0: track knowing that you haven't done
2: the best that you can do. That's the worst feeling. Um, even if it's you you might have come on the podium, you might have had a third place, but if you've driven badly and you could have done better, yeah, it's it's not fun to go home to that. I'd almost, it's a nicer feeling when you've had a brilliant, you when you've driven your heart out and I, okay, it might be gutting, but if you have a failure for whatever reason and you're in a strong position or you've carved your way through and ever, at least I can hold my head up high and say, I've done everything within my power to get the points today. Um, and it just didn't work out. Um, I prefer that from a from a driver's perspective than me leaving stuff on the table personally.
3: Okay, so we're we're going to change gears a little bit now. Cheesy. Um, if there was a hypothetical motorsport time machine, what era and what discipline of racing would you go straight to to have to take part in? Oh, I mean, yeah, I think. Firstly, a really cool
2: question. Really, really cool question. Um, and by the way, I love the spa and the and the uh, and the Silverstone behind you. Very, very cool. Oh, um, thank
3: you. That's
2: Monza's right. Monza's there as well. Monza, okay. Monza's cool. You didn't come in, um, Stepan or Karun Chandok, By the way, <laughs> where's Karun? Oh, I couldn't see Karun. Which Karun, one's Karun? Yeah, he's next to Max. top left. It's oh, okay. as well. Oh, okay. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Um time machine time machine so for me um i would want to i'd like to be in f1 obviously (laughs) you know and i'd probably want to be driving between i loved the cars between about 2003 to 2008
1: i loved i loved that era I car. You couldn't have picked a better answer for me. <laughs> like if I thought of all the things you could have said, that's I completely
2: agree I mean, with you. I mean, in in that era, you got the screaming V ten, you got Michael's Ferrari, which was an absolute machine. The two thousand four, two thousand five cars. You had Alonso's car with the weird steering, um and then from that, then you had the super cool aero cars from two thousand seven, two thousand eight. I know it went down to a V eight. They still screamed, but they looked unbelievable. So that kind of era, those two, you know, different,
3: different rules, different times, but still super cool. Both of them. Yeah. So there, there was a right and wrong answer, and you you passed. Well done. Okay. Cool. What was, the, what, was <laughs> what was the what yeah. was the wrong answer? What was it? Anything else? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yes, I want okay. to
1: drive in a in a one point six uh, hybrid. So. <laughs>
2: All right. Cool, 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 cool. And do, do you know what? I'll throw something else out there while, while I'm here. Again, I was a motorsport fan from a really, really young age. And I was a massive, massive Gabriele Tarquini fan as a kid. And I used to go to British Touring Car. I used to take my, make my mum and dad take me to brands and Silverstone. And I used to love watching him in his Alfa Romeo 155. So if anything, maybe as well. I'd go back to that era and drive the Alfa Romeo 155 in the British touring car back then when the British touring car actually was a really, really cool... I mean, I'm not saying it's not cool now, but back then,
1: I think it was super competitive. What Sam's just said is, listen, I know my stuff. And actually, (laughs) that's the glamorous side, but for a driver,
0: that's probably what I'd more want to do, right? Like BTCC is still almost like the nitty-gritty down-to-earth you know, white collar, bare knuckle racing. And that's like, that shows your dedication and love to the sport. And that answer, because as soon as that light bulb went on, you're like, you know, who was awesome. And he threw that out there. It's like, you have taken the love of the sport and crafted and molded that. I mean, into can, what you are. can anybody else, can anybody else remember that era? There uh, was anybody else the same, like Gabrielli Tarquini in the one five, five, it's unbelievable. I did not have the access. I'm only 31. Okay. uh, But I'm this weirdo. I like to go back and watch the old series and kind of get in touch with the roots. Ollie will tell you, you know, as diehard of an F1 fan I am now, the person I worship to this day will forever be Nicky Lauda. These older... It's still the same with the BTCC. You have the older, devil-may-care, debonair... (laughs) Just your random bloke off the street sometimes comes in there and he did not have a illustrious upbringing you know he is a self-made man and it was sheer will and determination that got him to ascend in that formula the way he did and that it almost inspires more hope for your average everyday wannabe racer granted i'm too fat to race and be competitive but for your average gearhead it gives you a sense of what is possible if you put your mind to something same with you know Fangio starting in as late as he did, you know that's yeah. the modern version of the '50s Formula One drivers to me personally. Yeah, cool.
2: So I, I gave I gave my two honest answers. Hope they hope they're cool ones, guys.
3: Yeah, <laughs> they're, they're fine, acceptable,
5: acceptable. <laughs> if we were to switch it back to the modern day, you've got ten Formula E race wins, I believe. Is there yeah. one that stands out the most to you?
2: out of all 10 of them um i mean the last one was was pretty emotional for me um but i probably i mean the double in new york that was quite cool um so that one i won the first race and i was back at the hotel with my with my wife and we were saying I oh, wouldn't it be great if I could get like a top 5 tomorrow just you know consolidate the weekend have a great weekend wouldn't that be great <laughs> so to do two days in a row um was a little bit of a yeah it was a bit of a shock I wasn't expecting it myself but the pace that weekend was was clearly very very good so as a fondness I'd go with with that um very difficult to pick a winner on this one I enjoyed is, Hong is, Kong. Is London um, up there?: London yeah, London, was the po- London was amazing because London was amazing to the podium. I didn't cross the line first. So that kind of took a bit of a shine from it. Um, I pushed Stefan Sarazan into running out of energy. So you know, I'd, I'd, done, I'd done a good race, um, but very different when you, when you don't cross the line first the win, the win was amazing. And, uh, the podium was, the podium was probably the best podium I've ever had. Um, in terms of like a sea of British fans, uh, cheering for me, that was, that was unforgettable, but was it my best race? Ah, I'll tell you what the best race was. It was Buenos Aires the next year, 2016 with the, with the, with the gearbox that was made of granite. So yeah, that one
1: <laughs> is, is, I'm just going to go a bit off-piste. I'm just going to ask you, is there a a race in your younger years where you didn't have all of the pressure that you have now with media and sponsors and all of this, and this was, I am Sam Bird, and I'm here to race for me. Is there a win that you can remember or a race that you can remember that you thought, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life? Um... (sighs)
2: No. I mean, my first ever single-seater <laughs> career win. No, I mean, so the the one that probably meant the most that, like, was really kind of inspiring to me was my my first Monaco win in World Series by Renault. Um, it was a battle between myself and Joe Bianchi. And we set off and we finished, I think it was like 30, 37 or 38 seconds ahead of third place. So it was just me and him going at it, setting fastest laps every race, every lap, sorry. I had a I had a broken steering arm. Uh, so the, the race was very, very stressful. I had a, a crashing quali and it wasn't fixed properly. And I didn't know when the car was going to turn left or turn right properly. So it was very, very stressful. They also fitted the, I had a drink because it was quite hot that weekend. And they fitted the valve for the drink the wrong way around. So it was a one-way valve. So I was getting no drink um so i was a bit stressed in the car the radio wasn't working um so it was very very difficult so the relief at the end also it meant a lot because i put it on pole the year before in gp2 and i stalled so to get that monkey off the back in monaco was uh a bit of a relief and then then i won again the next year in gp2 in monaco but um that first win in monaco yeah that that was the one where I felt like, right, I've arrived on on the big scene, I kind of, you know, in front of the Formula One buses, and that meant a lot.
4: So many people have sort of criticised Formula E um, since it started out, um, but for, for motorsport fans that, that don't watch it, um, tell us why you think it's such an exciting championship to race in and why more fans should start watching it just as much as they watch Formula One.
2: A good question. Um, I mean, if you are a motorsport fan, it means you like people going as fast as they can round circuits and, you know, going toe to toe with some of the, with, with their, with their rivals, with other racing drivers. Now motorsport fans will know the names within the formulae paddock and their top names. And, maybe the technology might not be up to your fancy, but let me tell you, if you want to watch 45 minutes plus one app of absolute wheel to wheel, exciting action going on, then give Formula a chance guys, because I think what we deliver is a great show, a great spectacle. It is fun, exciting racing, but serious racing at the same time with 24 of the world's best drivers. Um, hands down i think 24 of the world's best drivers so please give it a give it a chance anyway and this technology guys whether we like it or not whether you guys like it or not i, I certainly like it but whether you like it or not is going to be the future of what we do on race tracks and also for you guys on the
1: roads you're absolutely right and it's taken on you know it's taken a while for people to get used to this is coming this is happening and formula e it's it's attracted a new generation of motorsport fans and and you know us as a motorsport community i see that our younger members love formula e they they're really interested in it and our older members are oh back in the day you know racing the v12s they they're less susceptible to it what what challenges do you think formula e as a as a championship have to overcome in the next few years to really um G- grab this future by, by, by the bulls, by the, by the hands?
2: I think they already have, to be honest. I think, yeah, th- there's going to be some, th- the older generation fan that doesn't like Formula E on principle because it's electric and it doesn't make any noise. But what is racing? Is racing making a noise or is racing going toe-to-toe and trying to overtake a guy, outwit him, outsmart him, outbreak him and and putting on a great show? For me, that's that's what racing is all about, not just making a loud noise. Um, don't get me wrong, I love a V12, I love a V10. Um, uh, you know, I, I very much enjoy the normally aspirated stuff as well, But and, and there should always be a place for it. But I think the future is electric. And if you're talking about a racing fan, then I think a racing fan, someone that enjoys combat on a circuit, should enjoy Formula E, or at least give it a chance.
4: I was actually watching the the race in Saudi Arabia uh, with my husband.
2: Okay, um, Which, race one or race two?
4: Uh, we watched both of them, and oh, okay. um, we um, we my husband and I love to have debates about all forms okay. of motor racing, <laughs> and yep. um, oh. he was he's actually quite jealous that we're we're interviewing you today because he is quite a big fan of yours. Um, What's his name? His name's Tom.
2: Tom, shout out to Tom.
4: Hi, Tom. <laughs> he will absolutely love that. <laughs> but one, what he did say was um, he wanted. He said, "Oh, can, can you ask this question?" And I was like, "Oh God, it feels a bit awkward." But something that he wanted to ask you was, "Okay, do you feel that Formula E is taken seriously by the Formula One paddock enough?" so that a driver can use Formula E essentially as a stepping stone up to Formula One? You know, do you, do you see it as a sort of genuine feeder series? Um,
2: really good question. Thanks, Tom. Tom. Um, do you know what? I mean, we've seen Nick de Vries. So Nick de Vries is very, very quick, very talented guy. Um, and I enjoy racing against him. And we've seen him obviously signed with Mercedes. And he's now had the opportunity to test the F1 machinery, where he did really, really well. Um, And that was after a season of Formula E. So is that the start of something um, where manufacturers that are doing both can give their Formula E drivers a chance? Perhaps, but he is the only example so far. Um, But you look at the drivers again, I've, I've said it in the interview before, I think all of us could jump into Formula E machinery and do okay. Oh yeah. We'd need time to adjust, but most of the guys, um, have come from Formula one and maybe not had the chances that they, they should have had. I mean, Jev was arguably as quick as Daniel. Um, Stoffel was the best thing in junior driving coming up and got teamed with Fernando Alonso. And that's, a very, very tough cookie to to crack. And mm. Fernando will get the better equipment a couple of races before Stoffel and then the press will will get on his back and it must be a very difficult place to be. And I can go on and on and on. Felipe Massa, uh, okay, he was coming towards the end of his career when he did Four-Marie, but super quick. Um, and the list just goes on and on and on in Four-Marie. You know, the guys, uh, Andre Lotterer, maybe not... That many races in Formula One. I think only one, but super quick. Um, I think most of us. I think I'm probably the only one of the of the crop that has won quite a few races that hasn't raced in Formula One.
1: It, it, Emma, that question was really interesting. I, I'm and thanks, Tom. Uh, <laughs> I'm looking at it in a in in a different sense, which is we're talking about Formula E being a feeder series, but I actually see, you know. It, however many years 30 40 i don't know how many years from now but you can't be driving around in in, in combustion engines anymore is is formula e the future of formula one and i know that's a difficult question to answer but the direction that the world's going in you know you've got racing drivers at the moment in f1 who are championing to save the world yet they wear they promote brands that are killing the world you know is is formula e the future who's that who no comments. <laughs> um, Say it and you're cool. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, I think at some point in the near future, Formula One will have to reinvent itself in some aspect. Um, and those discussions are probably going on already and, and probably have been for years and years already. And it's about Formula One picking the right time. I love F1, and I think Formula One should be around to stay. But I think that there's a place, and as there is right now, where Formula One and Formula E can coexist. Um, What Formula One does next after the current, after the new regulations, so the next set after the the next ones will be really, really interesting. I think where they go with their power and 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 everything, then that will be really, really interesting.
0: You know, you spoke earlier about the uh, older generations of fans. And, you know, Formula E has been very innovative in that, you know, we're no, they're no longer using internal combustion engines. And, you know, the fan boost is one of the most fascinating things to me in the whole of motorsport. And Formula E has taken such great strides in engaging with their fans and making it almost about the fans or including them in some way in the action on track. Do you foresee that being a model to engage a broader audience or give the audience greater input on a formula for, you know, IndyCar or any of the other formulas out there, DTM and all that. Is that a format that should be replicated or should that be a you know, formula E special, if you will?
2: It's great right now that it's a E special. It certainly makes it unique to our series. Um, I'm surprised actually that other series haven't cottoned on at how popular it is. And, um, you know, fans, fans do enjoy it genuinely. I mean, look, fans of of drivers in genuinely have the opportunity to give their favorite driver a little bit of a boost. And that boost, imagine if your driver that you that you that you follow, that you gave a fan boost to gets it and then makes a move for the lead and wins the race because of your fan boost vote how special must that feel for a fan? You can go and shout at a football pitch and you can go and shout at at, uh, other, other venues in every other sport, but there's no other sport where you can actually have a direct influence on your favorite sportsman's, um, you know, result. You genuinely can make a difference, um, by by doing this for your favorite driver i think it's a great thing you look at the way the world is right now with social media being so important and uh activating stuff online and stuff like that yeah it's it's a fun thing some people think it's gimmicky but it gives the fans an opportunity to be a part of what we're doing and i think it's really important giving giving something to the fans you know i think it's really really quite a cool thing
1: Sam, I'll, I'll be totally honest with you. I thought it at first, I thought, that's a gimmick, because it's yeah. so unusual. You know, I'm used to standing at Silverstone screaming at a man who c- couldn't hear me even with his car switched off. Um, yeah. And actually hearing you describe that, I I'm th- I, I, I get it. it. It's sort of a, a, something switched in my mind now where it's Formula E is next generation, but you can actually be involved with the race yourself sitting on your couch. And I, I hadn't yeah. thought about it that way before. That's, that's, uh, yeah. Yeah. no you the you able- you genuinely have a say mm. or you
2: could have a say in who wins or not mm. it's that it can be it can be that important um i i don't really get them very often <laughs>
1: <laughs> i was about to ask does it, does it really hurt when you don't get it
2: <laughs> i'm not as popular as some of the others i'm afraid guys i wish i was but i'm not um but it's it's, it's great, um, regardless of, of whether I get it or not. I think it's something fun for the fans. And looking at the, bit, the bigger picture, you know, this sport is growing and growing, and it's just nice to have such a big fan base um, supporting the series and, and doing this with us. Um, it's great.
1: So uh, I'm just going to test something out here, Sam. Um, on the next Formula E race, all of our podcast listeners that are listening to this show right now, we are all going to give sam the fan boost okay yeah absolutely thank you okay cool thanks see the, guys see you on the top step <laughs> yeah no,
2: <laughs> no pressure in rome then
3: yeah great yeah that, I'm that brings me nicely onto sorry sam that brings me nicely onto my question actually what are your chances this season with jaguar oh and, he's obviously you got a, you've got a win under your belt already can, like do you yeah. think you can win the championship but can you see that happening? I go into every year thinking that, you know, if I perform at my best, then I've got a
2: chance, but it's too early to say, mate. Um I'd like to think that being with a manufacturer means that we have a better understanding of the equipment underneath us, which is great. I feel like I'm not operating at my 100% best yet, whereas I kind of did at Virgin, yet yeah, I've already won a race. So things are looking positive but we're two races in we've got so many races to go there's a lot of ups and downs to come through the championship what i need to do though is i need to be better at executing a season where i make less mistakes the last two years i've made too many mistakes and i'll be very honest and admit that i threw away second place last year in mexico um that second place would have put me i think third in the championship last year and then you're looking and thinking i didn't have a bad year Whereas I think I finished 10th or ninth the year before I won in Hong Kong, but got thrown out and kind of rightly so, um, for punting off Lotterer and then I got taken out, um, of quite a few races. So I I've left a lot of points on the table over the last two seasons. I can't do that this year. I already feel mm-hmm. like I've left points on the table because of the Alex Lynn thing, but I, I don't think that was necessarily my fault, but the less points I can leave on the table, the the better I'll be. And, and maybe that'll put me in a position where I can fight.
3: Yeah. Do you think that's a, a thing of like Max Verstappen always says, fully sending it? Or is that just your race style or, or, or what, what do you, what do you think causes those mistakes?
2: Um, I think, uh, you know, the last couple of years, it's been difficult with an independent team and, I never wanted to kind of admit to myself that maybe it wasn't achievable. I always thought, right, I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. And maybe I was just driving over the limit of what I could achieve um, with my talent and, and, and the car. Maybe I was going above and beyond what I was able to do as a, as a driver and, making making some mistakes maybe maybe that was it um you know fighting for positions that maybe I shouldn't have done um yeah but I've I've just got to minimize those mistakes this year that's what will be key I think just constant points you look at you look at Lucas and how he is always there at the end of the year um because he's always scoring points Lucas Degrassi doesn't crash or spin he he picks up fifth places fourth places he might win one get a couple of podiums but he is always in the top six or seven always there at the end of the race
1: but you 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 did tell us earlier on this podcast that if you leave a race weekend and you didn't feel like you gave it gave it everything you're disappointed with yourself and yeah I, I, I I as a fan I see different different types of racing drivers you see the cool calm consistent just get the points in get the job done and then you see the people who are exciting because they are there to give it everything they have and if you give it everything you have you're going to make a few mistakes right but that's personally for me that's what makes motorsport exciting it's not the cool i think there's like a i think i think i need to find like a healthy blend (laughs) yeah yeah,
2: between the two where (laughs) i don't throw away good results because i'm pushing too hard for a win there, there has to be times where you have to just dig your in and go, right, okay, a P4 today is a good result, and that doesn't mean I failed. Um, I think I need to have a small switch in that regard instead of thinking, no, I can get third, no, I can get second, no, I can win, I can still do this. There needs to be a, like, nope, Sam, calm down. All right, take the points, race next week. I've also
0: so all right. tried to think of the last time I've ever heard a driver say, I need to do this, or I made this mistake, (laughs) your approach is so unique. I mean, granted, there are people that are trained to say things, but the words, I made a mistake, do not normally leave a racing driver's (laughs) I make (laughs) mistakes. We all, regardless of whether we want to speak about it or not, we're
2: making mistakes every lap. I've never driven a perfect lap, so – and my career is littered with mistakes, <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, I'm not. I'm not the perfect driver. I'm not a Lewis Hamilton. I I have to work very very hard at my trade. Um, I, I'm not the most naturally gifted in Formula e and and I have to work very hard at it as well. But um, I'm more than happy to hold my hands up and say I've made a mistake. I think that it's it's important as well because. Otherwise, you're kidding yourself. Um, I need to, if if I can't admit to myself that I've made a mistake, how can I improve as a human being and, and as a driver? It's important that when I have a good result, we as a team are winning as a team. And I can't do these results without the team behind me. But if I have made a mistake individually, I need to be able to hold my hand up and say, I've made a mistake. How can I learn from it? How can I improve? What do I need to do in the future to make sure that doesn't happen again? And I think that's a lesson for a racing driver, a footballer, a cricketer. A, that's uh, a lesson any, for any, life. any. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, somebody that has the ability to to look inwards, I think, has the potential to maybe go further than somebody that doesn't have that ability.
5: I feel with Formula E as well. There's i don't want to say so many mistakes but there's so many mistakes you can make if you go to the attack mode at the wrong time and then you can't get
2: get the places back it's trickier than that's why that's why it's so difficult these cars you when i drove f1 cars in testing i could be very close to the pace of where i needed to be with with the racing drivers um when it was Michael, and Nico, or when it was Lewis and, and Nico, I'd be there or thereabouts, and it would be comfortable. And you could do the same lap time over and over again. These Formula E cars are—they might be slower, but they're so much more difficult to drive. There's so much software involved in them. They're super, super tricky. On top of that, we're on dusty, bumpy street circuits, which makes it tough as well. On top of that, I'm racing against some of the world's best drivers, so yeah you see a lot of mistakes and things happen and the attack mode throws up different things and you could miss it and yeah you see a lot more mistakes i think in formula e than you do in formula one but that is not a judgment on the drivers that is just the fact that it's so hard it's so hard to drive these things quick
1: How do you have to adapt as a driver from, from, you know, from a combustion engine into an electric engine? Because these are completely different. And I assume as a driver, you have to, you you do have to adapt. It's not going to be the same racing style. You have to learn that.
2: Yeah. one, One of the keys is keeping your minimum speed up. So in GP2 and Formula One, you would typically brake as late and as hard as you could into the corner get it stopped in the middle, rotate it, get it out the corner. So you had a very typical V shape on the data for, for every corner. Formula E, you try and, yeah, you still try and brake late, but you're trying to carry as much minimum speed as possible through the corner to, to keep the speed up onto the next straight. Because if you slow, over slow the car, you've then got a boost out of the corner. And that little bit of boost might be okay in quali, but certainly for the race, that's energy, and you're wasting energy, basically. So you, you've got to be always thinking about being efficient and fast. Um, it's a, it is a slightly different game, that's for sure. I mean, it's still all about the fastest guy will probably win, but it's the fastest guy that is saving the energy the best and being fast
5: so there, there's so many elements to it you, you obviously you need to be 100 percent before you start racing do you have sort of pre-race routines pre-race music a pre-race snack that's like your go-to for every race that you feel gets um, you in the best
2: mindset so yeah pre-race music i like to listen to something quite energetic so i have a playlist on spotify that i go to i put some stuff on and it. it it gets me quite a beat. But then when I get in the car, I want to feel so that that kind of revs me up and I'm feeling some good vibes. Get in the car and I try and take sort of three deep breaths because I can feel the adrenaline's getting to me, feel my heart rate is a million. So I need to calm myself down at that point and sort of laser beam focusing. So I tell myself on the first breath I'm calm. On the second breath, I'm relaxed. And on the third breath, that I'm confident. I can feel my shoulders just taking taking a step down my hands get a little bit softer on the wheel and then i know like right i'm ready I'm ready to go um so that's kind of my thing when it comes to food formulary is very different because it's just such a flat out day other 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 racing series you can have a nice lunch and then you can have a nice dinner and you've got time in the morning for a nice breakfast formulary i just eat what is in front of me whatever i can find it doesn't matter what it is just right there's a bit of food grab it take it take it on board I can relate to Um, that I can relate to that so it's 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 flat out day formulary days they're not the most physical things to drive but mentally you are done at the end of the day completely done
4: so what's normally on your music playlist because I know like when I go out driving not that I you know I drive a Ford Focus it's not a race car but if I'm out and I'm on a long drive, I like listening to Fleetwood Mac. That gets me in the mood for a bit of fast oh, driving.
2: Old, old, old school, old school. See, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I remember. I I I need to get like up for it and quite, you know, I'm going to do a great quality lap. I'm going to nail it. I'm going to beat all these guys. Um, so I'm listening to a bit of Oliver Heldens. I'm listening to if I'm really needing to get a bit angry because I've. I had a rubbish quality and I'd need to go through the pack in the race. I might listen to some pendulum, some Skrillex. I mean, if I really need to. Um, <laughs> yeah. But then I might then I might go but then I might I might go somewhere else. I might listen to a bit of Snoop Dogg or I might listen to a bit of Dr. Dre. So those kind of things, to be honest. I'm not I'm not as sophisticated as to go Fleetwood Mac, I'm afraid. I'm am <laughs> a little bit.
4: No, more. you should see my my playlist, it's full of nineties boy bands and things like that. But then you've got like Fleetwood Mac thrown in.
2: Nineties boy, what so? Hang on, sync You've got sync You've got five, five. Um, Ninety-eight degrees.
0: American boy,
4: boy band, but I'll take it. Backstreet Matt.
2: Boys. Backstreet Boys.
4: Yeah.
0: Blue. There we go. Blue. Yeah. If we see Sam Bird singing something from a boy band, we are putting this <laughs> fully on you, Emma. Yeah. Well,
2: Backstreet's back.
0: all right all right
2: right
4: you you know obviously racing at jaguar now um will you be having an input into the sort of the jaguar road cars now that they're committed to moving to electric vehicles
2: so the software that comes out of my race car absolutely can go into onto the production line and create Cars that maybe have slightly better power or slightly better range because of the regeneration shapes and graphs that I might use. So absolutely, we are genuinely shaping the 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 road cars of tomorrow. Absolutely, you've already seen it in the Renault. I think it's the Renault Zoe. Okay, it might not be the quickest car in the world, but genuinely, the software has come out of Sebastian Bohemi's former car. So. Fantastic. I never it's, knew it's, that. It's already, it's already happening.
1: I never... That is fascinating. I, I, I genuinely never knew that. Yeah, no.
2: Genuinely, this championship really has a, a reason and a purpose. Wow.
1: Um,
2: manufacturers are using it as a testbed to develop software to go into their um, electric cars in the future. This isn't just a marketing exercise. It's actually a, a, a real exercise for the manufacturers as well. Yeah. Okay, some of it is a marketing thing, but, you know, there is a there is a purpose behind it as well.
0: Well, it's like the torch has passed. You know, for me specifically growing up, you know, Formula One was always the pinnacle, the tip of the spear for technological <laughs> development and innovation. The internal combustion yeah. engine has almost run its course. Uh, and, you know, with the geopolitical climate of the world, everybody is going towards electric power and renewable energy and to where – we're going to see Formula E is the future, like it or not. You know that's where you've, everything's you've going. Absolutely, to you've absolutely hit the nail on the head. For me, the the
2: the combustion engine. There's not really much else we can learn from it. We've kind of done it, and we there might be a third of a percent of efficiency left. Like we're, we're we're finding minute gains now with regards to this, because it's been done for so long. We've we know everything about it electric vehicles every year they're getting quicker and more efficient at such an alarming rate and they're already 50 60% more efficient than a than a, a normal combustion engine they're already a lot quicker um the 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 thing that is stopping the world going electric is range uh, range anxiety and the fact that right now you're on the motorway You see you're a little bit low on fuel, you pull over, two minutes, pay for your fuel, and off you go again, and you carry on in your married way. You can't do that just yet with an electric vehicle. You have to stop for a much longer period of time. If we can get to a stage where the fast charging is really, really quick, everybody's going to be more than happy to move over because the performance is already there. It's already there, guys. And one of the
0: things... For me, you know, I come from a mechanic background. That's where part of where my love for motorsport comes from is understanding how things gel and come together. You know, a lot of people don't understand that with electric energy, you have the maximum torque available from the minute that tire turns over. Whereas with internal combustion engines, you have a, mo- a point where the power curve crosses. So not only have we had the advances in the internal combustion's going from carbureted to fuel injected, you know, those advances are going to come with hybrid electrical energy as well. Those new technologies, new systems that we can't even fathom at this point in time are coming. And it's yep. most likely going to come from you guys in Formula E. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like
2: you said, the time, time frame, we've been doing this electric game, as in on this planet, not just Formula E, for a decade. And look where we are now. Where will we be in a decade's time? That's what's exciting like we're making such strides now that what on earth will a car be capable of in 10 years,
3: an electric vehicle I can't wait to see that So speaking of timeframes there's a lot of young drivers out there right now probably wondering right how do I get into Sandbird's position so what advice would you give to them? Just wait another what, 3-4 years I'll be 37-38 and then
0: there you go <laughs> Okay, I'll wait, Sam. I'll
2: wait now. <laughs> no, um, a little bit of it. Right. So some actual helpful advice then is what you're looking for. Um, honestly, again, maybe I'm not championing myself enough, but I wasn't the most talented growing up. And you look at my results in my early days, and I think people might have thought that I was just another driver. And it, it took me until I got to GP2 to really showcase what I could do. Um, don't give up on your dream. That's the first thing. If you have a dream, if you've got an ambition, go for it and go for it um, 100%. I, I, I got that from a teacher at school. I was failing at racing. I was failing at A-levels. I was failing at my football because I played a decent level of football. And he said to me, what do you want to be when you're older? What's the goal? I told him I wanted to be a racing driver. He said, well, you can always redo your education. You can always come back to that, but don't fail at your dream. Like Give it everything you've got. You don't want to be waking up later on in life thinking, what if, if only I'd given it uh, another 5%, another 10%, could I have been that guy on TV? Could I have been a, a world champion? At least give it a shot so that then if you don't make it, you can say, I've given it my all. And that's and that's all you can do in life. Um I suppose that's something that's kind of lived with me. Uh, it obviously lives with me in row racing. You watch the wear drive. Um I, I'd say that is probably the best advice I've ever had. If you've got a dream, go for it and don't let anybody tell you otherwise.
1: And I think, Sam, it, to, to the fans and to the, to the to the younger people coming into this sport now, you know, the females, that the, the guys who are at uni, they they want to be in motorsport, and we do work with them because it's, you know, we've got a platform where we we can help people, you know, to do their dream and stuff. But it seems so unachievable to someone who's maybe I mean okay I'm a bit older but if I was in you know in my early 20s to be where you are now just looks like an impossible feat but what you've said is you have to have that mindset to get that
2: yeah um it's a really tough road I'm not gonna lie it's, it's a it's a it's a really really tough road and um it took financial toll on my family my mom and dad actually had to sell their house um to get me into one series and then it was like right no more they didn't tell me at the time that they'd done this they did it and they told me they were moving house because they liked this new house they didn't they sold the house so that i could go racing um which is amazing i would never ever let them do that again if i if i could go back in time i'd never but then i wouldn't be a racing driver today. So, um there were a lot of sacrifices. I sacrificed a lot as well. You know, my friends would be out partying and having a good time. I'd be in the gym doing the hours or writing emails to sponsors or, or doing these things. Um, so yeah, there were, there were a couple of sacrifices there, but you know, if you want something badly enough, you're willing to go that extra mile. You know? um, I think a lot of sports people will be the same. Um, I, I wasn't brought up with a, um, with a family that was financially really secure my mum and dad um yeah they 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 couldn't pay their way through so that made it even more difficult but yeah if when there's a will there's a way and i've managed somehow somehow to to forge a career um i'm a very fortunate individual to be to be sat here with you guys saying that i'm a i'm a fully paid professional racing driver because there's not there's not too many of us, really. But look, guys, anybody listening, any any young aspiring people, whether whether you want to be a mechanic, an engineer, data engineer, um, a truckie, uh, uh, a driver, uh, a sim driver, if that's what you want to do, then go for it. Don't don't hold anything back, and don't te- let don't let anybody tell you that you can't because you can if you want it badly enough. I suppose that shows
5: your natural skill as a driver as well in the sense that you haven't had the financial backing that some people have had through their career you've moved up the series based purely on merit which I suppose not a lot of people can say I think I think
2: I could probably say that that's fair from f- ah from Formula BMW to Formula 3 in British Formula 3 I'd say that's fair from GP2 and F1 I'd say that's fair I, I had a bit of a rubbish bit in the middle where I wasn't very good um, but thank you thank you for saying I got there on talent I mean yeah that you'll always get some guys out there that the press hound and people hound because they've got to large positions within motorsport because of their financial backing and yeah it can be frustrating but motorsport needs them motorsport needs those guys and they bring a lot to the industry as well so i mean if i was if i if my mum and dad were worth hundreds of millions then yeah i'd be doing formula 1 just like what other people have done in the past who have got very wealthy backing i mean it it that just is that's natural right um Anybody that loves doing what they're doing, if they're parents or if they've got backing to be able to help them, then you use that. That's just the way it is.
0: One of the things that strikes me, though, is <laughs> you know, you're know you talking about leave everything on the table. Leave it all out there. And one of my personal mantras is don't live life in a rearview mirror. Do you feel you've done that? You just, just, just watching you talk about your progression and the steps you've had to take, your family has had to take, and the way you've progressed, do you feel you've achieved that mentally? Like, you know, owning your own successes, your own failures, all of that. Are you are you at a place where you can go, you know what? Good on me. I've made this happen. I'm, I'm very
2: satisfied with what I've done so far, but I feel like there's still so much that I want to achieve that if it were to all end now, I wouldn't be happy enough. Um, I've set myself some goals that I need to achieve. I really need to, for me, um, we'll see if they're achievable or not, but I'm giving it my absolute everything to try and make them happen. As you guys can imagine, that means winning Formula e. I've come close, really desperately close. And I need to, you know, I need to, I need to try and do this. Um, and yeah, well, let's, let's see then what i can achieve beyond that um yeah but i think it's it's important to live like that i've actually got a tattoo on my side um it's a james dean quote which says dream as if you'll live forever live as if you'll die today it's kind of similar um you know
1: leave it all out there i love kind of thing i absolutely love that And, and sam we are timing out but i i I absolutely love what you just said. That that was amazing. And it sort of explains the, the person that you are and why you are where you are. And I think, you know, to the people out there that, that, that listen to this, you know, anything's possible. Anything is possible, but be prepared for some bad times along the way. But if, if you believe in it, you'll get there. Um, now, Sam, before we go, we have a bit of a tradition. Um, okay. Would you like saying how you... Hi, I'm Sam Bird. I had an amazing time on the podcast today with the Nerds. Victim them five stars and um, subscribe. Would you mind doing that for us? Yeah, cool. Hey guys. So I've just had an hour and 10
2: minutes with the nerds and it was epic. They're actually super cool. And you guys should absolutely subscribe to the channel because it's really, really worth the watch and the listen. So subscribe <laughs> guys.
0: Thank you. Thank you very much. Love that. That will be the intro. Okay. Sam, one last question before you go. This is a little bit off topic of motorsport. Wherever you go in life, who gets more attention, you or Buddy? Oh, uh, so right, th- it's not just Buddy anymore.
2: I forgot to tell you guys there's another dog as well. So Buddy, Buddy currently is. Uh, can I turn the camera around? Yeah, there we go. So, so I mean,
3: <laughs> what a hard he
2: Of course, he's going to get more attention, isn't he? I mean, he's better guy? looking than me so that's my spirit animal right there yeah so he (laughs) but there's a new one so we we now have a thing called a golden doodle and his name is bear and he looks genuinely like a teddy bear um in fact i sent i sent you a picture didn't i mate? um you did a couple of days ago (laughs) yeah yeah so if uh you can put you can you can put that on the on the thing if you screenshot that and put it up there so it's buddy and
1: Who's face shall I put on the interview artwork? Should it be yours or theirs? <laughs> you'll get more, if you genuinely get more hits, if it's theirs. <laughs> genuinely.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, why would anyone, who, if you, if you had to choose, which would you
1: choose? Uh, no comment. <laughs> All
2: right. I'll do that intro again then, shall I?
0: <laughs> we do uh, Sam <laughs> Bird uh, stands in for yes. Buddy on an interview with the nerds. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, there we go. Something like that. Yeah, absolutely. But, um,
2: thank you very much for having me today guys i've really enjoyed the chat it's been really refreshing and nice to um to chat with you guys some really cool questions um so yeah really good
1: and we we absolutely wish you the best this season and um we'll be watching so thank you on behalf of all of us sam and uh, to our listeners we will see you next week cool, guys. cheers sam thank you
4: Podcast Network.